0: I would like to introduce Ahmed Abdullah, uh, talking about how blockchain can improve patient outcomes and reduce healthcare costs. So, uh, here you go. Uh, Hello and uh, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Ahmed Abdullah, and I'm from Digifarm. And we're a a Swiss-based entity, and we specialize in value-based healthcare using blockchain technology. Um, so, today I'm going to be talking about how we use it and how we see it can improve um, outcomes and also reduce costs, um, you know, get a bit more in-depth into you know, some of our experiences and some of our projects, and then also talk to you a little bit more about what we're doing at the United Nations uh, Economic Commission for Europe and our work around blockchain. And some of the areas we're focusing on, and where we see is you know very high potential areas for the implementation of the technology. So my background by trade is uh, as a health economist and uh, working in, in pricing, uh, working both from the payer review side, but also from the manufacturer submission side. So, I think uh, it's it's well known, uh, a lot of you here with healthcare backgrounds, you understand a lot of the problems that that we're faced with healthcare. Um, It's a global problem and we see aging populations, rising rising prevalences of chronic diseases, um, really making global health expenditure unsustainable. Right, and what we're also seeing is the rising cost of treatments, as treatments are becoming a lot more targeted, right, and they're also being targeted at smaller patient groups. So a lot of manufacturers they have to charge more to be able to make the money back that they've spent on R and D. What we're also seeing is that when these, you know, novel therapies come to market, there's a very short time on patent, right, so there's a. Uh, roughly around 5 to 6 years where these manufacturers have to try and make that money back uh, as fast as possible uh, there's a lot of inefficiency and wastage which um, i think you know uh, many are aware of especially from the administrative side and incentives are misplaced especially within the fee for service systems where you know people are rewarded for you know well well suppliers Uh, are rewarded for, uh, you know, uh, providing a greater volume of services. And the bottom line of this is is barriers to patient access, so health systems are unable to afford optimal baskets of therapies for these patients, and there's also barriers to market access, so when manufacturers bring these novel therapies to market, it's very difficult for them to gain reimbursement within these markets. So this is why we've been seeing, you know, healthcare move to a value-based approach. Um, <clears throat> on, at a global level, we're seeing, uh, you know, large manufacturers, large insurers, large provider systems, all moving to this type of system, right? And as we're seeing you know, potentially in the next few years that commercial payments and healthcare will be dominated by this type of payment mechanism, there needs to be a system that enables trust in these outcomes but also removes the administrative burden of doing these things. <clears throat> And just to give you, you know, one example, so I, when I was working at Roche, I was leading uh, submissions for a very high cost, you know, new PD-L1 uh, you know, stage four lung cancer treatment. And negotiation for reimbursement for this treatment, on average, was taking between 12 and 18 months. And these are treatments that are targeted for patients with a mean survival time of seven months. Right? And one of the main issues here, and one of the main areas of disagreement or negotiation, is long-term survival for these patient groups. And if they, they, it's very difficult to base a price of a drug on a very limited trial data. right? So this is one of the main issues. So we knew there needed to be a system where you can track these patients, track outcomes, and then create a fair price for all stakeholders. And that's where we believe uh, blockchain comes in, right? So it creates this immutable and trusted medical information infrastructure that enables payment based on outcomes, right? So all users can use this and trust that data. Um, we're able to, you know, use private permission blockchains for these highly confidential pricing agreements, right? The, these uh, organizations are, are confident that there's an additional layer of security there, right? Um, <clears throat> and no nobody between these contracting parties Where there is limited trust, they know that nobody else can see these agreements and these very confidential prices. What we see in healthcare is is outcomes data, for example, from trials. They're always published in peer reviewed journals. However, net prices and discounts in such a competitive environment, you know, these are never essentially revealed outside of organizations. Uh, And we see the uh, administrative burden is currently huge. So, Uh, Processing, you know, pricing agreements at the moment is, you know, very much done so manually and the costs of processing these agreements negates, you know, the the financial benefits of moving to a value-based approach. Right, so bringing in admi- uh, smart contracts where complex agreements or so, you know increasingly complex agreements can be done without any additional administrative burden at the moment we see patient access schemes being done for very simple uh, you know conditions or contract stipulations like survival over a certain period of time or blood sugar levels b- b- being below uh, a certain level but when you start introducing smart contracts a lot of these pricing agreements can be a, a lot more meticulous and comprehensive, you can add uh, additional factors within these agreements, like serious adverse events of interest, uh, hospitalization rates. You can even start including things like remote monitoring applications and whatever contract you know stipulation you want to do. Link it up to a smart contract, and it could be you know as detailed as you want it to be without any additional financial or, or time burden. Um, What we also see is the issue with, you know, fragmented data and tracking patients uh, across different, you know, care areas and tracking them across, you know, the the care continuum or the medicinal life cycle. the ability to use you know sovereign uh, digital identities and the and the ability to often use patients as that single uh, common denominator to take their patient, to take their data you know between different uh, health providers i think that's very important uh, one issue we see at the moment is uh, a big problem is time delays and tying up of funds so one of our projects with the irish payer They had an outcomes-based agreement for hepatitis C treatment with with the pharma company, but the system they used was a rebate mechanism. So the pharma company is paid. They then provide the drug. And after uh, data is collected over a period of six months, they process that data, and according to the patient performance, you know, that population's performance, they then return a refund to the governmental payer. However, the problem is there is that funds were being tied up during that period, and the governmental payer doesn't know exactly or didn't have any idea of how much money he's going to get back. So there's a period of six weeks in 2017 where Hepatitis C patients were unable to receive this treatment until all this process was done. So with blockchain, we're able to create this real-time reimbursement and, and settlement platform. And what we also see is that we can then create one platform for all stakeholders instead of having a pharma company using different platforms for different payers in different countries they're working in and payers having you know, different interaction platforms with, with different organizations. So being able to remove that. So bringing all of that together, you're able to move from a, a system. Where you know it's it's uh, very linear. You have to very different processing steps, and there's a lot of the costs to a system where you know you're able to have platform in the middle where every stakeholder has you know this this understanding of data in real time. Right. Uh, so at Digifarm, what we have is the reimbursed platform. So it's a patented technology where organizations can go on there, create contracts between, between each other. We just provide the platform, we don't get involved. And then, um, you know, once they both agree to these uh, contracts, these are typically agreed at health technology assessment level before. So these are negotiated, then we create this platform where they can actually execute these, these agreements seamlessly. So, essentially, the bottom line, when you bring all this together, uh, um, you have this ability to improve outcomes and reduce costs in, in many ways. So you have the ability to make innovative pricing agreements very simple. Right? So you can have these outcomes-based agreements, or you can have multi-indication pricing, or you can have a hybrid of volume-based agreements you know, combined with outcomes-based agreements. It essentially enables you to create a pricing agreement right, that could be personalized to the populations under your care. Uh, so that's very important. It enables risk sharing, right? So also with patients, so there's a, uh, as a patient, there's a lower risk of you having to spend so much money on healthcare when you know, you know, if, if these treatments do not benefit you or they do not work, then you don't pay for them. One uh, important aspect of this as well, to create a system, you know, to track and trace agreements is not just commissioning, it's also decommissioning. So again, you know, we've been talking to payers and a lot of the time their interest is not just, you know, the ability to commission new therapies, but to understand the outcomes of the therapies that they commissioned a long time ago, because then they can free up budget for treatments and health technologies that provide, you know, long-term real-world benefits based on. You know, real tangible outcomes, rather than commissioning something and having it lost in the system. Um, and obviously, you know, the money saved from this, they can either reinvest in healthcare or whatever they want to do. Uh, what you're also then able to do is really make use of remote, remote patient monitoring and digital health and health IT. We see a lot of these apps, you know. There's an app to track everything you know healthcare based these days right but once you start combining this with commissioning i think then it becomes a very interesting story um what you're also able to do is increase stakeholder collaboration and stakeholder follow-up so if i was a pharma company and i was able to track outcomes you know in a real world setting in real time um, and I'm able to compare those outcomes, you know, against possibly a trial or uh, an agreement I have in a different jurisdiction. I'm able to see then. Um, what what the outcomes? are, I like can compare them. So if there's an issue, I can go out into the community, c- collaborate with the doctors, collaborate with carers, and see if we can improve compliance, see if we can, you know, provide any additional tools to improve those outcomes. So I, I think, you know, value-based healthcare is all about collaboration between stakeholders, and bringing in blockchain to facilitate that and create these platforms is something that's uh, really viable. So we have, you know, the the obvious reduction of costs through the minimization of administrative burden and we also have the opportunity you know through tokenization and things like this to reward engagement there's been a lot of you know uh, publications in peer reviewed journals about you know uh, cost effectiveness studies looking at patients uh, when they're rewarded with you know increasing compliance and things like that and there has been proven to be you know long term benefits to healthcare systems and expenditure <clears throat> So, you know, some of the uh, examples of current projects we have at Digifarm, um, they're very varied. Value based healthcare and outcomes based agreements can vary between different localities, right? So, we have some. well, pilots that are looking at, you know, uh, novel therapies about to come to market, um, and we are able to include patient diaries, so patients who have migraines to report when or when they do not have, you know, uh, any uh, migraine-free days and things like this. Um, what we also have is, is some payer-provider agreements so that they don't include manufacturers, right? So insurers work directly with hospital. They agree on an outcome for a certain population of patients, and that's all they will use for reimbursement. And there will be no more back and forth talking about, you know, how many services were acquired or anything like this, right? So that's also part of the agreement, to eliminate all the administrative paperwork and reporting uh, um, that goes on. Um, what we also have is um, pilots um, for neuropathic pain, where we use remote monitoring tools as well. Um, and we also see um, many pilots, you know, manufacturers, manufacturers interested in pilots that enable them to get you know, increased market share. So they're, they've already in the market, right? So they just want increased market share because they know providers and insurers are gonna want to provide their treatment if, if there's a possibility of not paying for when it doesn't work. Uh, so that was the main thing about you know value-based healthcare from the Digi Farm side. What I also want to touch upon as well is the work at, at the UNC Fact, uh, and we are developing a blockchain healthcare white paper. So I'm currently the project chapter coordinator for the blockchain in healthcare white paper. We have a team um, made up of you know many uh, experts, you know governmental uh, from the payer side and also from the uh, you know p- uh, provider side globally, and we are developing a a white paper, which will go out for public review, that focuses on on three areas, right? So the transfer of goods, uh, the transfer of data, and the transfer of funds. And then the UN ECE will create trade trade standards and, and trade recommendations of what the best way is to use blockchain in healthcare. Right, so this isn't the only track. There's also tracks for, you know, uh, sustainable development, uh, supply chain, and things like this. But in the healthcare side, we focus on these three areas: so the transfer of goods. Uh, that mainly focuses on supply chain. you know in pharmaceutical supply chain you see um, 200 billion dollars a year uh, b- a billion dollars a year you know spent on on, on counterfeit, you know uh, countering issues around counterfeit medication. Uh, I think there's 200 million lives a year are affected uh, due to counterfeit medicines and, and fraud and things like this. so that's one area we're working on. Um, Another area on on the transfer of data side is looking at prior authorization, right? So enabling uh, payers and providers uh, to be able to speed up this prior authorization process. Um, The ability for patients to share their data, to be able to trade it across borders, seeing if there needs to be any industry standards or trade recommendations around that. Um, Also looking at trial data. Trials, you know, often, incorporate you know, treatment centers from many different countries uh, and where the data is under many different you know, regulatory uh, uh, considerations and things like that. So we feel there also needs to be some trade standards around how that data is shared and how blockchain can impact that and also for adverse events. Uh from the funding side, we are looking at you know payments, uh, value-based healthcare uh, auditing as well. So there needs to be some sort of standardization around um, payments uh, and things like that. So that's you know uh, one uh, white paper that will be out in Q4 2018. It will go out to public review. And after that, uh, the UN Economic Commission of Europe will then release some you know, trade standards and recommendations around blockchain and healthcare. Um, so, so that's uh, uh, the end of my talk. Um, does anybody have uh, any questions? I, I, I know the step up later, looking to talk about Capturing data as a strong underlying feature and the risk on that. What are, what are the obstacles you encounter here and what are the provisions need to overcome that? Um, in regards to, for example, capturing data from health information systems and data registries and things oh, like that. Um, you, you mentioned blood sugar, monitoring blood sugar, for example. I think. Uh, the main issues we see from capturing data is, you know, the the, the integration side, right? We see with devices and things like that, um, the integration engines and their ability to readily share data to platforms like ours are not as developed as, you know, standard medical record systems. I think that's an issue, um, and we also, I think, you know, the format of this data. However, there there are some. Uh, Platforms. There's platforms that we are working with that automatically transfer data, you know, from these devices. So we've been able to use that. But it's also uh, an issue is also, you know, from the patient side as well. A lot of the time, patients, you know, don't have the time or they have issues with, you know, complying and recording, you know, things like blood sugar levels all the time. So there's there's a lot of, you know, small issues. But once you, but the good thing about blockchain and things like that is you're able to start incentivizing these patients. Once these pay, at, the, at the moment, there is no incentive for them in healthcare to do it, right? Because it's not going to affect how much they pay and things like this. But once you start, you know, and they start understanding it's part of reimbursement, it's it's all part about how they're going to be paying for their healthcare and things like that. I think we can you know overcome these issues, and with our pilots, um, when we have taken this approach, you know, holistic approach, explaining to them that they are part of the network, you know, um, you know they're not uh, an outsider to the, the the reimbursement network. I think we've been seeing you know great great compliance rates and things like that. Good. Great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.